I, I, it's what's great about the video uh, conferencing is that I feel like we we get ourselves, we give each other, I should say, sort of like these brief moments of uh, each other's lives. Like I love when mm -hmm. we're we're video chatting and suddenly Luno jumps into frame. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the little or someone's kid or someone's kid comes in <laughs> you had your boys in the other day yeah yeah exactly so what what has been your like your routine in this uh, in this new normal this new frontier of ours um you know I was thinking about that this morning I am such a um goal setter like I love living my life by setting goals tracking them reflecting on them um, and trying to grow and make progress. And as I began today, you know, it being the first day of a new month, I was thinking like, what are my goals? What is my normal? Um, and I started to get really into the uh, concept of creating like a flexible normal or a flexible goal. Uh, because I feel like I crave the like structure and control and organization of like, you know, my first class is at this time, my second class is at this time, and I eat lunch at this time, and I take Luno out at this time, and this is the time I have for exercise. But the reality is that every day that plan like fluctuates, you know, so much by like an hour or two hours, and suddenly it's four o'clock, and I've just been assessing for two hours and like loving it and not really wanting to break to go exercise. And so that um, flexibility, I would say, is kind of my new normal. I get that. I mean, how about I you? I, it, I, it's funny because I think that the whole flexibility thing is something that I've had to uh, really try to hone in on over the past four years since Brittany and I had kids. Totally. Uh, and, and just understanding that uh, we can't really afford to bolt ourselves down to any one plan. And, and Brittany will be the first one to tell you that that is not something that is easy for me to do. Um, I, th I think it might run in my family where you, once we have a plan, it is so hard for me to deviate from that plan. And, you know, early in our relationship, even before kids, it was a tough lesson for me because I, I would get almost um, defensive when uh, when any sort of threat came in against the plan that we had. And it, it's taken a long time for me to uh, to really kind of try to dilute that um, to the point where I can be flexible and understand that, uh, you know, there's, there's so many opportunities to do so many things in our lives and uh, we don't have to do everything exactly when we need them to do uh, on, except on some rare occasions. And so that's come in pretty handy now, uh, as you were mentioning, just with the way totally. things have been progressing with learning. And um, yeah, I mean, it's been, it, it's been pretty, um, pretty steady for us. I mean, I, I get up in the morning, the kids wake up with when the sun wakes up. So, uh, so I get up with them and, uh, it, it's been actually really nice for Brittany. She's had the opportunity uh, to sleep in, uh, this whole time, which oh, usually I'm already her. on my way to school. I know. Yeah. So I, I'm really happy that I'm, that I'm able to provide that respite for her. Uh, but then uh, she'll wake up in time to take the kids and I can get ready for our staff meeting uh, at 9 AM. And then uh, I'm working in my uh, office, uh, also the guest bedroom, uh, doing work with the kids, doing our Zoom chats, our Zoom calls and stuff like that. Uh, by the time I'm done, it's nap time for the boys. And then when they wake up, um, we, we have the afternoon to try to continue to engage them and distract them from what's going on in the world. I mean, my oldest is four. He doesn't need to know, um, you know, in, in painful detail what's been going on around the country. So, 
you know, whether it's, whether it's just going into the backyard and playing around, we've been doing a lot of FaceTime with my, uh, with my relatives and, and, and my parents, of course. Um, and, and so, you know, anything we could do to just kind of juggle them and keep them entertained, but by gosh, by, by the time they're down, man, it's, it's exhausting. It's, it's really tough. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I resonate 100% with what you were saying about, um, just having the plan and feeling unwilling to deviate from the plan. Oh, You're like talking. Wait, hey, hey, hold on. Seriously, I, I'll, I can edit this later, yeah. but do you, whoa, whoa. Do you have a north facing window um, that you can look outside? Holy moly. What is that? What? Do you see that? Um, look outside. I, we, we don't have a north facing window. Well, go find one. What? Take your laptop, do something. Wow. What is, Excuse oh my me. gosh. It's like some, it it looks like a rocket th- or something what? streaking through the sky. Do you Hold see on. it? Okay, now let me go outside. Wait, what? Hold on, I'm gonna Google right now. Hang on, I'm gonna Google right now. Wait, I thought there was something wrong with the. What's audio. Twitter saying? Twitter. I mean, I don't see anything. Rocket sky. Look, how do you? Are you kidding? How do you not see that? Well, I mean, I'm further north than you are. What do you mean? It's massive. It's. Ma- I mean. Courtney, I'm I'm looking out my window. It's taking up nearly the entire sky. <laughs> All I can see is the moon and some butterflies. What are you talking about? <laughs> Wait, I have no you know, idea you know, where to look. You know what? You know what that is. You know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> what? That's my that's that's my horrible attempt at an April Fool's joke. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Did you actually get up? Please tell me you got out of your seat. I was out of the house. You went outside. Oh, okay. I that I'm gonna mark that one as a success. What? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the, the dog was like up. He's looking around. He's like, "Where are you going?" Wow. Luno's Luno's getting concerned. I mean, thank you for the uh, little detour. I mean, the moon looks really nice. <laughs> a nice breeze going on here in Echo Park. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad. I'm happy for that. That's wow. good. Wow. The that was strong execution. You even went in with the Google search. Oh, I yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I had, I had to, you know, build in as much uh, detail as possible to make that as realistic. It is April first, uh, by the way, and I, folks. <laughs> and I was so excited about what I was saying. I totally forgot. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Let me see if I can get it back. <laughs> get, get what back? Where, where'd you go? I was trying to say. I should have known. Gail did an April Fool's joke with her kids today, too. I told them. I literally got to advisory, and I was like, I'm not going to try to tell a joke this morning because I'm not very funny. I know that about myself. And if I tried to tell a joke, I would just lose composure. So <laughs> you, start, you start giggling to yourself? <laughs> literally, anytime I tell a joke successfully, I think I deserve like a round of applause. Well, you know, to be honest, it, it makes it a lot easier when I'm not there in person. Because I, yeah. I don't have to keep my composure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he so, was like, uh, Hunter was like snickering, but behind his hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can. Uh, I, I was. Uh, I had a big old smile on my face as I was uh, walking you through that little exercise. Wow, as if we don't need another thing right now. <laughs> See, aren't, uh, now, aren't you relieved that we don't have to be concerned about something like that? Yeah, Some giant that. rocket. Look at that, a whole new wave of gratitude you've just given me. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I try. I try where I can. Um, what what a way to start the podcast, uh, talking about the Odyssey of Learning podcast. Of course, uh, I am the, the trickster hunter, and with me as always... 
the gullible Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, it was, it was well. Uh, you played the part well. It was, uh, well, that was very good. Thank you. I, I'm considering a secondary career in acting. Teehee, April hey. Fools. Oh, April Fools. See, the jokes aren't there, and it's good. There, and it's good. I couldn't take it that far. But anyway, welcome to the podcast, people. Hunter and I wanted to start uh, today with with saying, first of all, a big thank you um, to anyone that's been listening to our podcast during this distance learning uh, period of time. There's like so many ways to spend our mental and physical energy during this time. And, and if you're choosing to spend it with us, we, we wanted to say thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so many thank yous. But a- along those lines, um, you saw the email from from Gail last week, right? I did. Yeah. I love hearing that people are listening to the podcast and, and getting in touch to share with us their thoughts. Yeah. Gail managed to send us um, a, a review, if you will, from uh, from another um, educator uh, friend of hers, a uh, friend of her family's, I guess you would say. Um, and just so important to get that feedback. And, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we've been putting our contact emails in each episode. So if you ever uh, want to share some feedback or you want to bring something up that we could bring up here on the podcast, you know, we're, we're talking almost exclusively about our experiences here in Southern California. But, you know, if we, if we happen to be reaching out of state to other areas, we'd like to hear your experiences as well. So um, really appreciate uh, th- those kind words. Thank you so much. Of course. And, and a couple of other thank yous, you know, I feel inclined to to give in some ways the experience of distance learning has brought us so much closer to one another and so much closer to kind of understanding the difficult decision making that has to happen uh, on the district level Um, making decisions around how to support our team with tech how to support our office staff um, and how to support our teachers so we wanted to give a big shout out and thank you to Dr. Perez, Dr. Smith, and the rest of, of the district for doing everything that they can to try to make this experience as positive for staff and students as possible. And speaking of our district uh, support team, I think it is worth mentioning um, that, you know, with everything they got going on their plates, um, if, if you haven't heard or you were unfamiliar, the state superintendent of schools uh, for California yesterday uh, came out and in no official capacity um, made a pretty interesting comment about his outlook for what the rest of the school year was going to look like and just uh, happened to, to mention that uh, we are probably not coming back um, to our classrooms. And uh, again, this was not an official announcement. Um, however, uh, it, it seems to be that that's going to be the case. Um, obviously, we're, we're still keeping our May 5th return date because we haven't been told specifically otherwise. But um, it, it seems to be that that is uh, the direction that we're we're headed, um, and this is uh, just to get my names correct here. This is Tony Thurmond, is the superintendent of schools in the state of California. Uh, Courtney, did you catch that announcement yesterday? Yeah, I did. You know, and I was just um, really grateful to then the following day, like log into my email and find an email from Dr. Perez waiting, being like, "We understand that this announcement was made, and we're going to continue to communicate with you all as transparently and." earnestly as possible, along with our families and um, with students about any changes that might happen in our distance learning schedule. And it just made me feel so grateful to be part of a district where that level of um, support and communication is honored. 
um, and is given to, to families and to teachers as soon as it happens. Um, there's like no rules for how to handle a global crisis, but uh, I definitely am grateful for the people that, that seem to be writing ours right now with, with the district. And speaking of extending thanks, uh, how about those parents? How about our families that are just oh, awesome. rolling? Yeah, they're just rolling with it right now. And, you know, we're getting they're getting inundated with information um, and, and their flexibility and, and their uh, willingness to ensure that even given these extraordinary circumstances, um, that they are giving their children the best chance um, at, a, at a powerful education, powerful learning opportunities and supporting them in any way they can. Our families are just superstars at the moment. So thank you uh, to them as well. Uh, big time. Um, especially because uh, we've got a new schedule. You know, we had spent two weeks uh, here at Odyssey STEM Academy um, with sort of this workshop type model. You know, we're transitioning to distance learning. So let's just focus on fixing up some of the work that we've been doing, um, offering additional support as necessary. But as of Monday, March 30th, uh, we launched into a new curriculum. Uh, Courtney, did you want to kind of outline for us quickly what that kind of looks like currently? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you kind of mentioned, so we started our distance learning experience with like a revision workshop almost. So scholars were not learning any new content, but we're just kind of building on the experiences that they had had in trimester two, refining their thinking, refining their writing, refining their artifacts of math and in STEM. Um, and now we switched over to new content on Monday. And so what that looks like for our scholars is essentially at 930, they log in to meet with their advisors on Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So every day they log in to meet with their advisory advisor. And for most days of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, they then follow that advisory meeting with a content area class. So they either go first to STEM and Humanities, which are a merged co-teaching studio, or to math for 90 minutes. And we take a little break, then they go to another 90-minute studio that was the opposite of what they did in that first studio. That lasts until 1 p.m., and then we go on lunch and they have the afternoon for either two options. They're either in an extension course with one of our fabulous extension advisors, Paul, who's doing a fun for food cooking ex uh, experience, or Erin, who's doing stop motion video, or Erica. Do you know what Erica's doing? Isn't she doing uh, Photoshop, intro to Photoshop? Uh, with the ninth grade scholars. And um, if scholars aren't in an extension course, there's only about a third of the school in them at a time, then they have the afternoon for independent study, right? To do homework, to catch up on um, kind of learning that they're interested in pursuing on their own, or um, maybe doing, you know, things around the house that they need to take care of, supporting their family, supporting their siblings, or just supporting their own mental health, maybe taking a little bit of a break in the afternoon. Um, but that's kind of our schedule for rolling out new content. And it's been such a blast to get to co-teach with with the STEM advisors. You're co-teaching with Nicole, and I'm co-teaching with Gail, and and that has been a brand new experience for me. I've never never co-taught before. But I am surprised by how much I have come to enjoy uh, co-teaching. Um, so not, fun. Not only in the sense that I'm learning quite a bit in the process, um, but also being able to continue to offer support um, and in, in a very helpful way with our colleagues, which the kids don't get to see. 
you know, totally. we, we share the prep just like you and Gail share the prep. So oftentimes, you know, I'll talk about Nicole, uh, you know, and what she's doing. And they kind of look at me like, well, why? <laughs> she's the science teacher. What <laughs> what could you possibly be uh, be be trying to figure out over there? Um, and, and now that they get to see us both in action, whether she's teaching and I'm giving support or vice versa, um, it, it's it's been really great um, so far. Has, has it been a similar situation with you and Gail? Oh, totally. And I mean, just having like another adult in the room that has a relationship with the scholars and has an understanding of the technology, like that co-facilitator um, just makes things run so much more smoothly. Like when she's instructing on how to use a particular website or how to go through um, like carbon footprint calculators, um, I can be going through and privately chatting with scholars that are having tech issues or that need to like step away to go to the restroom or get a glass of water and um, that sort of co-support is so valuable so she can continue with the lesson moving forward and I can kind of support the scholars that um, need that extra little bit of time uh, to kind of catch up with the rest of, of, the, of the group and that that sort of like dynamic teaching relationship I feel like um, works really well in this environment on Zoom. Uh, yeah and and Zoom I think is also well equipped to support that you know trading off um, hosting uh, duties and, uh, and and the tools that come with being the quote unquote host uh, of a zoom meeting uh, and just continuing and, and also just you know the the banter uh, that we're able to have back and forth I think reveals uh, to the scholars um, a, a little bit more about our understanding and also what strong collaboration looks like. Totally. Um, you know, be, being able to put that on display, I think, has been really powerful and and for, at least on my end has made scholars realize, oh, so instead of spending like five or 10 minutes talking about irrelevant things, Nicole and, and Simmons do it for 10 seconds and then they get on to what they need to do. Oh, that's how that's supposed to work. Oh, I was going to say, I'm like building off of each other's ideas, too, or like commenting on the way that the conversation is going. You know, so often I feel like I'm sharing my own personal experience with writing narrative with the scholars and, and to have Gail chat in and be like, I'm so looking forward to reading more of your personal narratives, everyone. Um, what a powerful piece of writing this is about to become. And it's like suddenly yeah. having that other supporter, or that other um, voice within the room really gives an opportunity for the kids to see like, oh, there are multiple vested interests in my learning. And here's how we can engage with one another on this platform in a way that supports that progress is really cool. And, you know, I want to get back to a comment, Courtney, that you had made um, in describing this whole process about how, you know, we're, we're starting to learn of a lot of needs that our scholar have, our scholars have, excuse me, that are not directly academic uh, in nature. Being sensitive to that, we have taken this less is more mentality with our work. Um, from my perspective, what that looks like is... Um, the idea that we're not going to completely bombard our scholars with resources and with information. We, we really just want to try to streamline this content. We want to um, kind of present the bare bones, offer the support where we think it's necessary rather than give as much support as possible because we know that they're dealing with so much. And I think just to provide uh, the basic uh, the basic framework is the most important thing right now. What does that uh, look like for you, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I feel like having a less is more mentality is not necessarily that we're like sacrificing important things, but is more that we're prioritizing the most important things. Yes. If that makes sense. 
And, totally. and so I think for, for us, you know, for example, in the humanity studio last year, when we delivered narrative content and when we were beginning to think about delivering narrative content in the sophomore year, 10th grade studio, or in the sophomore year humanity studio, that looked like multiple different in-class experiences and activities that would facilitate like growth as writers um, and storytellers. Whereas now our narrative assignment, which is what we're working on right now, has kind of taken on more of a tone of like, you know, we're only going to do exercises and activities really when it's more, more present and when we're together, try to limit homework and try to really prioritize telling those stories as a first draft and then iterating on it more slowly, um, just so we can really support our scholars in um, learning these skills and practicing and applying them and, and creating something that they're that they're proud of, but that doesn't take, you know, eight hours a day of school to, to, to complete. And so really hoping that we can stoke their curiosity and stoke their interests through this less is more mentality and, and really prioritizing what matters in the learning process as opposed to inundating them with so much to try to keep up with where they're unable to follow, you know, the expectation because they have, like you mentioned, all these other responsibilities. Um, right. I'm realizing it's kind of a difficult thing to explain, but like today, for example, when scholars came into my workshop session, um, we're working on this like passion project for history, which is kind of something that's left over from workshop model. And, and I asked them, you know, how many of you have worked on this uh, in the last two weeks? And like a couple of them raised their hand. I was like, how many of you haven't thought about it in the last, in the last couple of weeks? And, and a couple of them raised their hand. It, and it's important to remind them like, whether you're putting in a lot of work every day or you're not, like your self-worth isn't tied to that productivity. You know, there's like some non-negotiables, like you were saying with the flexibility and the schedules, like there's some non-negotiables in this online schooling experience. We want you to produce thoughtful elements of writing. We want you to grow and to learn. But at the same time, like we understand that you're all human and that there's other things that are filling up your mind and filling up your, your day. And, and we want to respect that. And, and approach them from like a very empathetic perspective. I, and I, I want to talk about that narrative piece uh, a little more. Uh, and because if, if yesterday's brainstorm was any indication, um, I think these narratives that they're going to put together are going to be pretty special. Uh, I'm, I'm really special. looking forward to it. Um, but I do, I mean, we, we have mentioned a couple of times, uh, workshop, workshop, you know, all the past two weeks, we had this workshop model, like we discussed in our first distance learning episode. Um, and while we have changed the daily schedule, uh, for Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, as we mentioned, Wednesday is still the same idea around workshop. And I think that, you know, part of the beauty of that is that it does afford um, scholars that have other priorities that they need to worry about. It affords them the flexibility to be able to come in at maybe staggered times or uh, different moments at, throughout the morning and ask questions when they're able uh, to come in and, and just do a quick check-in uh, with us as their advisors. Um, as well as give you and me and all of the staff an opportunity to offer targeted support to scholars um, in, in anything that they're doing. For, to, uh, for example, today, uh, we were doing specific work uh, around the small group of scholars that still haven't really gotten their, um, uh, really haven't found their rhythm with the op-ed from last trimester. Uh, and just helping to jumpstart their thinking around that, trying to get it out of the way so we could put trimester two behind us and get uh, deep into trimester three. And again, I don't think that that would be possible without this workshop Wednesday that we currently have uh, set up. 
Totally. Yeah. And, you know, on my end, um, today for Workshop Wednesday, I broke up the sections into um, kind of two breakout groups where we're taking this narrative prompt and further deconstructing it and making it uh, into an outline. So when scholars are working on their narrative piece, like they have a really clear direction of where to start and um, have the prompt broken up so they know each element of the prompt that needs to be answered. So I think it's a, it's a really nice way for us to target our support to scholars who um, really benefit from that that extra bit of FaceTime, that extra bit of deconstruction, or like you were saying, that support to complete something maybe they'd started a while back, but haven't yet gotten a chance to finish. So definitely really grateful for the uh, Wednesday workshop model, because I think it allows us to to support our scholars that that would benefit from that, that small group pullout time, you know, that we could give them in the classroom setting. Well, shifting into that uh, narrative piece, uh, you came up with a really great opening question that we led into yesterday. Uh, this idea that our scholars are roughly 15 years old and then asking them, where do you see yourself in 10 years, professionally speaking? How do you envision uh, making a living for yourself? And, and adding that little disclaimer at the end, you know, don't hold back, dream big. Uh, and, and to lead into that, I shared a little bit about my impressions uh, that I can remember from when I was 15. But I have to ask you right at the front here, Courtney, if you think back to when you were 15 years old, are, are you where you thought you would be? Yes and no. Um, definitely some elements. Like I, I knew that I wanted to go into education. Um, I knew that I wanted to move to a high needs area um, and serve uh, a population of, of young people that, that traditionally are underserved by our, our public education system. And I knew I wanted a dog. <laughs> At that point, I hadn't <laughs> been to LA. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I had, you know, my mind set on leaving Nebraska. Um, that was my plan. At 15, I wanted to get out of Nebraska. And I had other professional aspirations. And I was inspired by educators. And I, I knew that I wanted to go and be able to inspire young people like myself that that viewed school as kind of their respite and their place to be themselves. Um, so I think I'm doing pretty good. I really, I really Excellent. do. How about you? Nice. I mean, if you had told me when I was 15 years old, Hey kid, when you're 25, you're going to be married and you're going to be an educator. I probably would have looked you at the face and said, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. <me too. laughs> I, 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 I've known for at heart here. Right, exactly. And and so knowing for a very long time, I mean, it just so happened that when I was 15, I had like the first teacher that made me like want to do this for a living. Um, it was my, my AP European history uh, teacher. And, uh, and uh, uh, Dan Ludkin, if you're if you're listening, uh, shout out to you, uh, because you kind of got me started on this path of yeah, I could totally see myself doing this uh, for for a while, and uh, and things just kind of took off from there. So um, I know that that is pretty atypical. I, and my message to my scholars yesterday was like, I I am on the I'm I'm on the not so frequent end of, of people that happen to have a pretty good sense and and end up being able to fulfill that uh, by the time that they're 25. Um, I think for the vast majority of people, you know, 15 is still such a tumultuous age. Uh, it's really difficult to pin anything down, let alone where you're going to be in 10 years. Um, but totally. the responses that I got on that question were just so uplifting and so positive and optimistic and um, I, I think has set things up pretty well for this 
narrative piece that is asking scholars to consider where they want to be professionally um, in, in their future and whether that future means out of high school or after uh, some, uh, you know, post-secondary uh, education, whatever that might look like. Um, we're giving them the space now to really think about their future and the experiences that have shaped them uh, and continue to shape them as they work towards that goal. Um, and, and I'm really excited uh, to see what they come up with. How about you? Me too. Yeah. I mean, like you're saying, inspirational and, and uplifting for sure. I, um, I'm with you. I, you know, we're difficult models for, for how to write this essay because we fit into a box of people who kind of knew what they wanted to do. They had experiences that led them there and then their higher education played out in the way that they expected it would. And that is not the case for most people. Right. And so I, I just find myself feeling really fortunate to be at a school that has provided our scholars, you know, for the last two years and continues to do so like opportunities to speak with professionals who have had different experiences from them. You know, I think back to like the brown bag lunch that we did two weeks ago, um, where mm -hmm. industry professionals came in during lunch to Zoom calls and, and went into breakout groups with scholars, and they were able to share about their professional journeys and how many of them came on and they were like, I had no idea what I wanted to do when I was 15. And here was what my journey through education looked like. And yeah, maybe it took me a little longer than I expected. Or yeah, maybe it took me a little shorter than I expected. And I stumbled into this career that I'm in that I love. And that I'm growing in and that taps on these elements that I'm interested in or these, um, you know, skills that I feel really particularly good at. And so I think just continuing to share with them like a network of individuals and a network of narratives that show the possibility and the potential of, of who we can become. Um, that mixed with their curiosity and passion and drive is like going to create really magical pieces of writing. That I'm excited to read in two weeks. Well, let's um let's let's finish this on a on a creative note here, um and and this uh this is a question you created. I'm not going to pretend to take credit for this, but I like the idea of just <laughs> I love questions. Maybe, maybe briefly answering uh your own question here, uh, Courtney. Um, what what is distance learning? Uh, what is what does that mean to you in, in this time? Let me think. Distance learning to me. I mean, I think what keeps coming up to me while I'm realizing like this new reality that we're in is just that the distance that we feel physically from other people can be mitigated through technology in such meaningful ways. And though we're distant and though we're learning um, online, I feel closer in some ways to my colleagues and to scholars and my family and my friends than I, than I ever have before in my life. I feel like our interactions, though fewer and farther between, are like cherished and genuine in a way that I could have never anticipated. And I feel like we are so inundated with creative solutions to complex problems in a way that I, I, I'm confident is going to change the landscape of public education for everyone around the world um, from this point on. And that is inspiring and terrifying and beautiful and so many emotions. Um, but yeah, that's how it's feeling to me right now. Like hopeful, um, but yeah, also grounded in this like profound sadness for all of the ways that, that people's lives are changing, um, not for the better. It's like definitely easy to sit in my comfortable living room with the windows open and there's no rockets outside and I have my own <laughs> desk and it's relatively quiet and my husband and I are both working and feel like, you know, there's so much to be learned from this. And then to realize that, that that's 
um, not the reality for, for many people throughout this crisis is, is humbling and, and grounding and sad. Um, but I'm confident that it's going to lead to like profound change that's going to benefit uh, everyone in society at some point. How about you? What does it mean to you to be distantly learning? I mean, I, it, I, that was a very eloquent answer, and it, it's going to be difficult to replicate. And not that I am trying to take a pessimistic tack here, because I am the eternal optimist in all things, but um, similar but also dissimilar to what you shared, I think that distance learning has m- made me realize the value of human connection. Um, I, I've, I've learned through this experience that I think perhaps I had been taking, um, I've been taking that for granted, um, the, the ability to, to have these moments and these exchanges with another person, um, and, and being there physically in the moment, um, just creates this dynamic that once it's gone, you realize, oh my gosh, um, I, I never knew how powerful those experiences were. Um, until now where I, I, we simply don't have the access to it. Um, and so I, I don't think that's anything to be taken negatively. I think that that's simply a reminder that, um, while yes, I would agree with you that I think that there are some big changes to the landscape of education, um, coming in. Um, I, I don't believe we are going to get to a place in our, no, I won't say our lifetime because I'm not going to be some Nostradamus here. Um, but I, not anytime soon, anyways. Um, I don't think we can so easily give up um, the the notion of being in a classroom together um, a, a, as a group of people um, and and sharing in an experience in person. I there's just there's nothing else like that, and and I miss it dearly. Um, but just like you, I'm so grateful that we live in a time where. Uh, technology can help us um, cope at least until uh, things begin to settle down and uh, and hopefully at some point soon they'll they'll begin to we'll see yeah I mean I feel like this time is so full of so many dichotomies it's difficult to wrap your head around or to like make room to hold it all in one place but it is comforting to know that we're all doing it together it's not just Odyssey it's not just Paramount it's not just Los Angeles it's like the whole world in some degree um is experiencing this together and like that collective experience i think is 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 really profoundly moving for like us as a species want to call it or do you want to preview what we're doing next week what what do you think let's call it i feel like i want to think about what we're doing next week more i'm like really loving living in this space of um flexible goal setting like i said at the beginning um you know like we have we have our plan for next week but but who knows what next week's gonna bring I'm, I'm year by year. It seems I'm getting increasingly uh, more flexible, whether I like it or not. So uh, yeah. this is this has all been a good thing. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in uh, with us today. This is, of course, the Odyssey of Learning podcast. My name is Hunter, and I'm Courtney. Stay safe out there. Have a great day. Bye, everyone.